1 Corinthians 12. We're, we're just about finished with the gifts of the Spirit. We've kind of set up camp here. We've, we've gone through all of them individually over the last few weeks, and uh, we have made it to the last uh, couple of gifts here. And we're going to start in verse 4. <laughs> we'll read 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 4 through 11. And today we'll be speaking of the gift of tongues or the gift of languages. That's the one, right? That's the one we've been waiting on. What, what about these gifts of tongues? What are we to make of, of these things? Some of the crazy things that maybe we've seen or heard in our life. What, can we make heads of tails of these things? What does the Bible say about tongues? Is it, is it a, 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 a human language? Is it a spiritual language? We're going to talk about that a little bit today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Now there are different spirits, but the excuse me. Now there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God activates each gift in each person. A demonstration of the spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another different kinds of languages, to another interpretation of languages." But one and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as He wills. Let's pray. Father God, I come to you this morning and I pray that the Holy Spirit would be among us today to help us to be able to discern and rightly understand your Word, God. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, God, as we talk about this, this difficult, broad topic today, as we discuss tongues, dear Lord. There's so much... To be said, there is so much uh, to be learned, dear Lord, and I pray, God, that the Holy Spirit would be with us as we study this and talk about it today and in the weeks to come, dear Lord, and God, help us to, to be able to, to, to understand your word in a, in a proper way, dear Lord. This is a tough text. This is one that, that we struggle with, dear Lord, God, but I pray that you would just, in these moments today, God, help Jesus Christ to be glorified. God, as we talk about these gifts, dear Lord, help us not to forget that these are gifts to bring glory to you, God, that these are gifts to build your kingdom. And so, God, never let us be more focused on a gift than on the greatest gift of Jesus Christ, and help that to be preached today, God. Help me to preach and teach in a way that's going to be beneficial to your people and to help grow us in you and to help grow your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. All right, this one is a doozy, right? This one is a doozy. Now, uh, we see at the end of verse 10, Paul talks about uh, different kinds of tongues, or some translations may say languages, and the interpretation of those tongues are languages. Now, most of your Bibles, translations, are probably going to use the word tongue, uh, but tongue uh, probably simply means language. So some of your translation may say language. But the question is not uh, whether it is language or not. It is language, but the real question, the real thing that we struggle with is what kind of language is it? 
Is it merely a human language? That is English, French, Chinese, Japanese, a English language or American language or whatever kind of language it may be. Is it a language that is known or is it is some kind of spiritual language? That is some kind of language that is some kind of godly language, something that, that the, the Spirit puts on us and we, and we say things and it can't be understood except for by someone who has that gift to be able to interpret that language. And this is an important question because this is kind of a, a big issue uh, among different religious groups in the world today. Now, some would say that it's just a human language, that it's a real known language. And then when we see these verses in Scripture where the gift of tongues is used, or people speak in tongues or speak in languages, they're speaking in known languages. There are others who would say that these uh, languages that are being spoken are godly languages, are heavenly languages. They, they utter sounds and, and, and words that we cannot comprehend because it is of the Spirit. Now, with many hot issues in the text, you have one side that says the Bible never insinuates that these are some kind of spiritual, godly languages that are spoken. That you can't find any scriptures that back that up. And guess what the other side said? The other side says that it's clear in the text that all of these things point that there's a clear, spiritual, godly language that's being talked about. And you will find good Christian people on both sides of, of, of this topic that we are discussing today. Now, let's, for a second, let's talk about why this is a difficult topic. Why this is a difficult thing for us sometimes maybe to wrap our heads around is because we may have gone somewhere, we may have seen a YouTube video, we may have experienced a friend or family member saying all these sounds and, and repeating these things and maybe jumping and shaking their hands or perhaps even going to a church service where it would seem as though everybody in there is speaking and making sounds and, and it's, you can't even tell what's going on, you don't know what's going on, these things are going on and we see things like that and we say whoa I'm not too sure about that and there are people who uh, practice the gifts of tongue and sometimes they go to the extreme in an unbiblical way whether it's godly language or a human language the way that some act when they are uh, acting out the gifts of tongues is not biblical now we'll talk about that in the weeks to come as we continue to go through first corinthians so oftentimes, in particular for us as Southern Baptists, since we don't uh, typically see the gifts of tongues, and that's something that's not uh, preached or taught a whole lot in a Southern Baptist church, when we see those who may be uh, to the extreme side and acting a fool, for lack of a better word, or at least in our opinion, that's what it may look like to us, we tend to say, well, those people are kind of crazy. Those are the weird ones. Now, with that being said, when we see these big events where everybody is speaking in tongues, do I believe that they are all speaking in tongues? Well, no, I don't believe that they are. Perhaps there are some who are speaking in some spiritual language, but I also believe that there are some who could be faking. And I think that we need to be aware of that. And we need to be careful when we talk about the spiritual gifts, in particular as we talk about tongues, that we don't put too much emphasis on this gift or any other gift and say that if you don't possess a certain gift that you cannot be a Christian. 
Now, that is taught among some people. Brother Ernie has even shared this story before, that when he was a, a young man, he was, he, he was told that he was not a Christian because he could not speak in tongues. And he said he prayed and prayed and prayed and tried, but God just never gave him that gift. And for years, he thought that he could not be saved because he could not speak in tongues. Now, that's very dangerous. That's a very dangerous teaching that if you don't possess that spiritual gift or any other spiritual gift, that you cannot be a Christian or that you are not a Christian. That is a lie. And the Bible, I don't believe, anywhere teaches that. These gifts that God gives us are gifts that God gives us, but we do not all possess all of these gifts, and we may not possess any of these gifts that God has given but that does not mean that you are not a Christian. You are a Christian by coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are a child of God. And in some cases, God pours out these gifts on brothers and sisters in Christ. In some ways, he, he blesses some in areas where they are able to discern better, where they may be a little wiser, where they may have some of these different gifts that we have looked at. But don't ever think, well, I don't possess that gift or that gift or that gift. Am I really a Christian? That is not biblical. We are Christians by accepting Jesus Christ. But there is danger by putting too much emphasis on the gifts. We need to remember that when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, these are things that are done to bring glory to God. These are gifts that God gives us to praise Him, to bring glory to Him, and to lead souls to Jesus Christ. These things that God gives, these spiritual gifts, are for the building up of His kingdom. And so if God has blessed some of us in some of these ways, and we do possess some of these gifts of the Spirit, they're not for our own glory, they're not for our own benefit in, 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 in the grand scheme of things. They are ultimately so that we can use what we have been gifted with to lead souls to Christ to do God's work. And so we never want to put too much emphasis on any of the spiritual gifts, but in particular, the gifts of tongues. Now this can lead to a lot of heartache, a lot of confusion a lot of people who fake it because they want to, to feel like that they are indeed a Christian. Now this whole tongues movement that we kind of see in our world today, it really started off in the early 1900s. That's when it uh, really began to kick off. Now perhaps there are instances in history of where uh, speaking in tongues uh, uh, was, was prominent, but, but it, it seems to me in my little research that I've done that, that the movement that we see of this speaking in tongues and, and what it's become today really started in the early <coughs> 1900s. Uh, there was a meeting uh, on Azusa Street, that's in California, and uh, this lady, her name was Agnes Osmond, began to speak in Chinese, supposedly. She began to speak in Chinese even though she knew no Chinese whatsoever. Uh, she began to write uh, Chinese <coughs> words out for three days. She could only uh, write out Chinese words and speak in, in Chinese. Well, it was later uh, brought to the attention of people who knew Chinese, and they said, no, she's not speaking Chinese. But as the movement first started out, it was very much focused on real languages, real earthly human languages. And there were many people who began to possess this gift, or so they claimed, and they begin to use their gift of languages to go out and do God's work. 
except things didn't quite work out the way that they had anticipated. And as a result, it led to some, some very difficult times for those who were trying to practice this gift of tongues. Uh, a study was done by a publication back in the 1900s, and they were following some of these people and, and, and checking up on how things were going. And these are the results that they found, and this is what the article said. It says, Missionary S.C. Todd of the Bible Missionary Society has made investigations personally in three mission fields and among four groups of well-meaning but deluded people who have gone from this country to Japan, to China, and to India expecting to preach to the natives of those countries in their own tongue, but, if no single, but in no single instance have been able to do so. They have needed an interpreter in even the commonest affairs of life. Some of them are in absolute destitution and are dependent on their Christian brethren there for the necessities of life and are as helpless as babes. In some cases, they are in danger of losing all faith in the supernatural, in religion, and in drifting into infidelity and sin. And so as we begin to see this gifts of tongue, kind of as we see it in our world today, it started out as those believing that they were speaking in other languages, and they thought that they were gifted in this way. They went to these other places, only to find out that when they got there, the jibber-jabber that they were saying was not that language at all. And they began to lose faith, because they were told that this was of the Spirit, that God was working to them, and they were misled, I believe. And eventually these speaking in tongues kind of took a transformation from a known language to a spiritual language. And that's kind of what we see uh, preached and taught among a lot of groups today. But there is a good discussion to be had as to whether or not uh, the gift of tongues, if it exists, and it did exist in the New Testament here that we see, does it still exist today? And in what form did it exist in the New Testament times? And if it still exists today, in what form did it ex does it exist today? In the New Testament, there is some reason to believe that when it says they spoke in other languages, that God did gift them in that time to speak in another known language. That is, they were, they were speaking in something that they didn't know, but when the Holy Spirit came on them, they were speaking a different language, but it wasn't a special heavenly language, but instead it was just a known language. We got a good scripture to back that up in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. If you want to turn there, you can. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Now, as I read most of these passages today, I think, and probably all of them, my translation is going to say language, and so your translation will say tongue, so just keep that in mind. If you hear me read, if you're not following along and say language, just kind of make a note there that, that tongue could be used. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Now, this is at a time called Pentecost. This is after Jesus Christ had gone back to heaven and the Holy Spirit was poured out among this group of believers that was gathered there. And it was like a, a flaming tongue above them. And it was, it was a big to-do. It was, a, it was a, a sound like a, like a raging wind. And so it was something special that was going on there. And it's probably kind of hard for us to get a, a visual image of what was going on. But let's read the text and see Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. 
Suddenly, a sound like a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. And tongues like flames of fire were divided, appeared to them, and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages, as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. There were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one, of, each one heard them speaking in his own language. Now, it seems pretty clear to me in the context here that what is talked about is known human languages. And I think that goes on to be clarified a little further as we read because it begins to list off all these different, different nations, all these different uh, people groups around who would have all spoken different languages. But it says in verse 6 that each one heard them speaking in his own language. So that doesn't lead me to believe that there is some spiritual language that, that was unknown or unheard of at the time. Uh, these people heard that all of these who were filled with the Spirit were speaking in a language that they knew. And it was, an, it was an odd experience because they realized, well, these people shouldn't be speaking in all these languages. How is it that we're all able to hear in our own language? And so in the context of Acts chapter 2, it would appear, at least in this text, that it's speaking of a real, natural, human language that is known. So that's one, one good example where it seems to be pretty clear, but there are other examples to where it may not be as clear. And as you begin to study the text, I don't know, some of you may fall on different sides of this. Some of you may say, nope, the gift of tongues didn't, doesn't exist today at all, whether it's a human language or a spiritual language. There may be some who say, well, I believe it exists, but I believe it's a natural language. And there may be others in here who hold the view that it is a spiritual language of God. Now, there are some scriptures that maybe you could take to mean that, but this is a difficult topic, and guess what? And people have been talking about this, trying to debate over it and figure it out for, for a long time now, and guess what? We're not going to solve this problem today. But I do think it's important for us to look at the text and look at the scriptures and try to understand uh, both sides of, of, the, of the discussion here. If you flip to Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 46, you can do that if you would like to. We'll look at a couple of examples to where maybe it's not as clear. Maybe it could go one way or the other. You could kind of read into it whatever you wanted to in those verses, but uh, we'll, we'll read over them and just I'll let you guys decide what you think there. Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 46. While Peter was preaching, was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speaking in other languages and declaring the greatness of God. 
So here we see kind of a similar event. We see this event a couple of times in scriptures where the Holy Spirit is poured out on people. They come to Jesus Christ. They believe. They have faith in Jesus Christ. And here, uh, they were Gentiles, and that was an amazing thing in and of itself for the ones who were seeing this take place, that even the Gentiles were receiving the Holy Spirit. And after they had done so, they heard them speaking in other languages or other tongues and declaring the greatness of God. Now, were the languages they heard there merely human languages, or were they some type of godly language? Well, it's hard to tell in that context. It would seem to me that it was a worldly human language, perhaps something that they were aware of and knew, but we, we just can't get that from that text, or at least those verses in and of themselves. Acts chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. A similar experience. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak in other languages and to prophesy. Now there were about 12 men in all. Again, we see a similar experience. So this idea of speaking in tongues, that the Holy Spirit in some way empowered people to speak in a language that they previously had not spoken, is something that we see on a few occasions, in particular in the book of Acts. But the problem is not did it occur, but the problem is what exactly did occur. Now, we know from the text, as we read later on in chapter 12, that Paul clearly says that not all are going to possess all of these gifts. He asks that in a rhetorical question. He says, do all have the gift of tongues? Well, the answer there is no, that not all have the gifts of tongues. That's pretty clear through the text for anyone who ever tells you, if you don't speak in tongues, that you are not a Christian. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Paul clearly says that not all have that gift. We don't all have every gift, and we're not all gifted in the same way. God gifts all of us in different ways. And so if anyone ever says that you have to have that gift and, and says to you, but look at the text. Look at these examples we just pointed out. When these people became, uh, came to faith in Jesus Christ and, and, and got saved, look at what happened. They spoke in tongues. Therefore, this must be the case for all people who come to faith in Christ. But even biblically, there's not really a lot of ground to stand on there. Now, I've pointed out some occasions where this did occur, but guess what? There are examples in Scripture where people came to Christ, and it doesn't say they spoke in tongues. There are plenty of instances where people come to Christ and did not speak in tongues. Did this occur in some cases? Absolutely it did. In some cases, as the Spirit moved, this gift was poured out on certain people. But there were other pe people who were Christians just the same, who put their faith in the same Jesus Christ and accepted him as Lord and Savior, who did not receive that gift. And so we want to make sure that we are clear on that teaching, that that, 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 that uh, lie that you have to speak in tongues based on the fact that a couple of instances that took place, that's just not true. That's just not true. There are plenty of instances in Scripture where that was not the case. Uh, the, the problem is, is that for, for many, they, they think there has to be some grand experience like this. There has to be some visible, noticeable showing when you become a Christian to prove that you have become a Christian. And that causes some problems because, one, that puts pressure on the person. What if you come to Jesus Christ and you have genuinely given your heart to him, you genuinely believe that 
he is God's son. You genuinely put your faith and trust in him. You're covered by his blood. Uh, you've repented of your sins. You are a Christian. But you don't, you don't have any real outward uh, something that all the rest of us can see. You don't, you, don't, you don't speak in tongues. You don't do any other miraculous sign. You don't heal uh, somebody right on the spot. Does that mean that you are not a Christian? Well, absolutely not. But it can lead to much confusion among people in the church. And it can cause people to, uh, essentially, I, it sounds bad, to fake these spiritual gifts. Now, I was reading an article of a lady who had attended a church, and she said it was a good church, a Bible-preaching church, and, and she began to go there, and she was getting uh, fed. The, the pastor was, was preaching the Word, and she was seeking God, and she was beginning to look into God's Word. But she said one thing she noticed when she went to this church is sometimes she would kind of hear people mumbling, or she would see them talking, but she couldn't make out what, what they were saying. And one day she sat by one of these people and they began to, to speak. And, and she said, what, what are you saying? And she said, oh, I'm speaking in tongues. Well, this was, was a new thing for this person, this outsider who was not a Christian, was not aware of speaking in tongues. And of course, that may seem a little weird for someone to be speaking a language that nobody knows. Well, this lady continued to go to this church and she continued to uh, seek the Lord and she realized that she needed to accept Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior and she did that. She got saved. She accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior and was going to follow through in baptism as Jesus Christ commanded. And so the day that her baptism was to uh, come about, there was another group of people, uh, a pretty large group. I don't know exactly how many, but she said there was a large group of people in the room. And before they were going to be baptized, someone came into the room and told them, that they needed to begin to work on their speaking in tongues, that they needed to open themselves up to the Spirit so that they could be filled with the gift of speaking in tongues. And she said this seemed kind of odd to her. She wasn't really sure exactly what to do with this, what to make of this. And she said they told them the best way to help the gift of tongues come into you is to begin to speak in baby talk to begin to make childish sounds, to begin to make sounds that a, a baby would make. And by moving your tongue in those ways and making those sounds, that that will help the Holy Spirit to come into you and to be able to unleash the power of tongues. And she said she began to feel very uncomfortable at what was going on there. And she said that she tried it, but she felt like a fool. She said there were others in there and they were saying these sounds and they were beginning to rejoice because they were able to speak in tongues. And she said in all the group, it was only her and one other person that said that something didn't seem right there. Now she went on to be baptized and I believe she's a Christian based on her story. I don't know of her heart, but she gave her life to Jesus Christ and she was baptized. But it's stories like that that we need to be careful of. Now, there should have been a couple of red flags that went up when I told you that story. One is, I don't believe that we need to help the Holy Spirit empower us to do what God wants us to do. Amen. We don't have to do certain things and move our mouths in a certain way in this instance to help the Holy Spirit to come into our life and empower us. If God wants to give us a spiritual gift, God gives us that gift. And we can't help God in that way. 
That's the first red flag that went up for me and went up for her too. The other red flag is, what if there was someone who was coming to seek the Lord and they were exposed to such teaching and they said, you know what, <coughs> this is so weird. I don't want to have anything to do with these people or with Jesus Christ. Mm. Now that's a problem. That's a serious problem. And Paul addresses this and we'll talk about that in the weeks to come. But you see the, uh, the, the, the difficulties with this gift of tongue and how it is exercised. Now, am I saying that everyone who has a, an emotional response or just a, a joyful experience and lifts their hands and prays to God and, and just weeps as they, as they are joyful over what Jesus has done in their life, am I saying that all of those people are faking it and that that's not of God? Absolutely not. It should touch our lives. There should be some experience. It's okay to have some emotion. Think about it. You have just come from your life of sinfulness where you were doomed to spend an eternity in hell, where you are a sinner and there was nothing you can do to earn your own grace and you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ that the Son of God loved you so much that He suffered and gave His life on the cross so that you could be forgiven and you've received grace not because of what you deserve and all of your sins are gone and you're not going to spend an eternity in hell. The joy that comes in you, there should be some excitement. It may cause you to weep over the joy of knowing your sins are forgiven, over the joy of knowing that someone, Jesus Christ, has loved you enough to die for you. It's okay. There sometimes are those experiences. I'm not saying that you have to have that experience to be a Christian. Perhaps some of you have experienced that joy in such a way and expressed it in some way. Perhaps there were others of you who inside you felt that joy, but you didn't, you didn't show it outwardly. You didn't, you didn't weep. Maybe you didn't raise your hands in the air, but you are still saved just the same. Now, there are some who go to one extreme and say that, you know what, we need to exercise these gifts and we need to talk about these gifts and we all need to have these gifts and if you don't have these gifts, you're not living right or you're not a Christian. There are some that go to one extreme but then there are others who go to the complete other extreme. They say, well, these gifts don't exist anymore at all. You don't need to have any experiences where you show any emotion or where you show any outward joy. You need to just sit there and be quiet. I think that there is harm in both of those things. I think that you can show your love for the Lord, that you can praise and worship the Lord in a respectful way without going overboard and without just sitting there like a nine log saying, oh, okay, I'm just going to sit here. No, it's okay. It's okay to praise the Lord. It's okay to clap your hands a little bit and praise. It's okay to raise your hand in the air. We can be one of those weird people. If God just speaks to us and we want to just praise God in some way, it's okay to do those things and you can do those things without going overboard. But I think that there are some who miss the power of the Holy Spirit and don't let the Holy Spirit work because of those that they've seen that's gone to the extreme and they think, I don't want to be one of those people. Those people aren't of God. And, and in their mind, they think that's what the Holy Spirit working is. And if they let the Holy Spirit work, they're going to be like that. And they don't want, we don't want to be like that. And so we just don't allow the Spirit to work at all. John Piper, some of you may have heard of him. He's a, he's a pastor. He says, I sometimes fear... 
that we have so redefined conversion in terms of human decisions and have so removed any necessity of experience of God's Spirit that many people think they are saved when in fact they only have Christian ideas in their head and not spiritual power in their hearts. Now, there are some in this world that, that, that act crazy and, and speak in tongues and go through all these motions and have these grand experiences, but they've never had a genuine conversion with Jesus Christ. There are others who, who come and, 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 and they come to church every day and they go through the motions and maybe they've walked the aisle, but they've had no inward experience of the Holy Spirit because they haven't received the Holy Spirit, but yet they think that they are a Christian when in fact they are deceived. There are probably people on both sides of the extreme who are deceived. That is, those who are sitting back doing nothing and those who are going overboard who are deceived and are not genuinely Christians. There is some experience that comes with having our sins forgiven and grace received and a new life in Jesus Christ. But it's an experience that should always lead to the glory of God, that should not lead to disorder. And sometimes when we see people practicing the gifts of the Spirit, we don't see any noticeable order there, any noticeable praise that is going before the Lord. Instead, we see those who are causing a scene, but is that really building the kingdom of God? And we need to be careful when we see those things. We need to, to, to be able to discern as we talked about last week. Now, I'll give you guys a few scriptures that, that if you say, okay, well, are there any scriptures that may lead us to believe that speaking in tongues is a private prayer language? Now, we're not talking about the extreme here, but there are many good brothers and sisters in Christ, people who I know that I believe wholeheartedly they are Christians, and they pray in tongues. Not in public. Usually it's in private and in the privacy of their own home. And they pray in tongues, and they say that it is a private prayer language that God has placed on their heart, that the Holy Spirit has empowered them with. And they don't go to the extreme. They don't make a big deal out of it. They don't pray around unbelievers so it may scare them off, but they believe that this is something that God has empowered them with, and they exercise the gift of tongues. And they will point to some of these scriptures and say, here's, here's where I think that God is saying that this is a spiritual prayer language. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, if you want to turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1 through 5, or excuse me, 1 through 4, we'll probably cut it off at 4. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 4, verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and above all that you may prophesy. For the person who speaks in another language is not speaking to men, but to God. Since no one understands him, however, he speaks mysteries in the Spirit. But the person who prophesies speaks to the people for edification, encouragement, and consolation. The person who speaks in another language builds himself up, but he who prophesies builds up the church. Now, Paul is making a distinction here between prophecy and, and language or speaking in tongues. And he's saying, look, when you prophesy, it's for the edification of the whole church. That is, you're speaking something that God has put on your heart to the church so that the church may be built up and grow in the Lord. But he says tongues, while it's okay to do it, he has this language here that he used. And he says that it uh, is not 
a language that is speaking to men, but speaking to God. And he also goes on to uh, use the phrase, he speaks mysteries in the Spirit. Now, those who would say that the speaking in tongues is a, is a, is a spiritual language that is of God, that it's not a human language, but a godly language, they would point to this verse and say that these mysteries that are being talked about and this speaking only to God and not to men is referring to a private prayer language. That is not something that should be exercised in front of people that's going to cause a commotion because after all, Paul says, if you speak in tongues, it's not going to do any good to anybody else. But they believe that it's a private prayer language. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1. If I speak human or angelic languages but do not have love, I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Now here we have another verse that some people may quote that says angelic languages. Well, what is angelic languages? Well, some claim, well, that is speaking in tongues. That is when we speak through the Spirit, if the Spirit empowers us to speak in tongues, that the language we're speaking is not human language, but rather it is angelic language. And they would use this verse to back up that claim that it is a spiritual language that comes from God and is obviously used by the angels. And one more verse I'll share with you this morning. Verse 1 Corinthians 14, 26. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. What then is the conclusion, brothers? Whenever you come together, each one has a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, another language, or an interpretation. All things must be done for edification. Now, I think that's important for us to realize as we talk about these gifts that we've looked at over the last few weeks, is that all of these things that we do need to be done for the glory of God. Now, speaking in tongues is a difficult topic and more than we can discuss in one day, and we will discuss more of this in the time to come. There are people who fall on every side of the, of the, of the argument as to whether or not it should be done or should not be done. It is even a prominent issue in the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, most of you may not know this, but up until recently, uh, Southern Baptist missionaries would fill out uh, the information to qualify to be a Southern Baptist missionary. And one of the questions on the form is, do you believe in a private prayer language? That is, a speaking in tongues. And if you marked yes on there, you were instantly disqualified from being a Southern Baptist missionary. Now, recently, in the years past, they have changed that policy a little bit. The question is still there, and it does not instantly result in an immediate disqualification by answering yes. But that story helps us to realize that this is a hot topic, that this is a hot issue, that this is hotly debated and has been for some time. And so we need to be prayerful when we deal with this topic. Now, there are some preachers who would say that anyone who claims to preach in tongues is a liar, that the Bible does not, does not teach that, that what they are speaking is demonic, and that they are blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Now, there are other preachers who say everybody should speak in tongues. And so you will find people to the far extremes. Now, where there are passages in the New Testament, and I believe most of them, probably, at least in the context of my opinion, talk about a human language when they are speaking in tongues. But there are those maybe that aren't quite as clear that 
leave the door open just a bit to say that perhaps there is some spiritual language that is taking place that people are, are practicing in their private prayer life. And so we need to be quick not to judge. Because I believe that there are brothers and sisters in Christ, whether rightly or wrongly, whether it is from the Lord or they are being deceived, they speak in a prayer language that is private between them and the Lord, and they believe it is from the Lord, and perhaps it may well be. But we need to remember that those brothers and sisters in Christ are just that. They are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we need to be able to discern and be leery when we see rooms fulls of people acting foolishly and speaking things and making a sound when there is no interpretation and there doesn't appear to be any any rational praising of God taking place that is going to lead a lost soul should they come in the door to Jesus Christ. We need to be able to discern that maybe all of those who claim to speak in tongues are indeed not speaking in tongues at all. And so we go back to the text last week and we pray that God would help us to discern in this matter so that we can know as we read the text to know what is God talking about when it comes to tongues. And it may be natural for us to want to write people off as the weirdos or the crazy ones, but we need to love those who may claim to have that gift if it is indeed from the Lord. I'll quote Billy Graham here. Billy Graham didn't speak much on tongues but he did speak a few times on tongues, and he himself said that he had never spoken in tongues. But he did think that it was a wonderful experience for those who have. Uh, there are many of you in here maybe who haven't spoken in tongues, or perhaps there are some that have. But Billy Graham said these words. He said, on the occasion of a particular infilling, tongues may be a sign God gives some. But I do not find that it is a sign for all. I do think it is important, though, for each of us to hold our opinion without rancor and without breaking our bonds of fellowship in Jesus Christ. And those are good words of advice for us because we have difference of opinion on this topic. But as Reverend Graham pointed out to us, we need to hold our opinions in love without being too quick and too judgmental. We need to be prayerful about these texts, and we need to understand them. And it would be great for me as a pastor on these difficult texts to just pass them up, but that's one of the benefits of expository preaching. We go through books of the Bible, and when we get to the tough verses, we got to talk about them too and try to figure out what God's Word says. So let us be prayerful over this topic, over this, uh, over this issue, if we can call it that, of tongues, and is it of men, is it of God, or does it still exist at all? And we need to remember that, look, it's not whether we speak in tongues or do not speak in tongues. We need to remember that all of these gifts, whether we possess them or not, are for the glory of Jesus Christ. And in all of these things, I know I've said that over and over over the last few weeks, but we need to be reminded of that. If God has gifted you in some of these ways that we have looked at, they are for the glory of God. We are to build the kingdom up. We are to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world that needs to hear it. And we don't want to do anything that is going to cause fear or confusion or, 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 or trouble people uh, by doing things that may not be what the Bible intends for us to do. And we need to pray that we would have the discernment to know 
when the Holy Spirit lays something on us to know it is from God and to know how to use it for the building up of His kingdom. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning and we thank you for these words and I pray that you would help us to understand the difficulties of this text, dear Lord. We, uh, we look for answers and we try to read and understand, dear Lord, and, and we know that this is a complicated issue, God. I pray that you would help us to be able to discern when we study and when we learn about these gifts of tongues, when we encounter people in our life that may speak in a way or say things that just seem weird to us, dear Lord. Help us to be able to discern and know, is that of you, God? God, we don't want to be those who quench the Spirit. God, we want to feel the empowerment of the Spirit. God, we know that your Holy Spirit fills us and, and, and guides us and uses us and empowers us in certain ways. So God, help us not to be so quick as to just write off all of the gifts that we've talked about, dear Lord. But God, maybe there are some of us who need to, to, to grow in you, and maybe there are some things you want to do in us and through us, God. Maybe there are some of us that you have gifted in certain ways that we have overlooked or we have failed to use those gifts for the furtherment of your kingdom. So help us to be able to do that, God. Help us to be able to discern and see. God, help us through your word to let the Holy Spirit point out to us maybe areas of strength and giftedness that you've placed in our life so that we can use these things for the edification of the kingdom, God, as your word says. But God, most importantly, never let us forget that this is about Jesus Christ. That God, if it had not been for Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, dear Lord, that we would have no Holy Spirit to receive that we would be helpless and hopeless, God. So we thank you for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for coming into our lives and giving us that conviction that we need, that guidance that we need, that joy that we need, that encouragement that we need, dear Lord, because we know that that comes only through you, dear Lord, and I thank you that each and every child of yours receives that Holy Spirit, God, when we come to you. And I pray, dear Lord, that if there is one in this room today that has not accepted Jesus Christ, that's living in their sin, maybe the day that they've realized it for the first time, and that today they would come to Jesus Christ and repent of their sins. They would humble their self before Jesus, accept the sacrifice that He gave of His life on their behalf so that they could be forgiven and know that He is a Savior who is victorious, who rose from the grave, dear Lord, so that they too can receive the Holy Spirit that your word promises each and every one of us who come to you. God, I pray that if there is one in this place today that has not accepted Jesus Christ, that you would help them to do so. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.